Blog Talk Radio. Patty Holstrand, and this is KWAD Radio, and we're on live. We're so excited today to have our very special guest, Gail Carriger. She is a New York Times bestselling author, author of Steampunk, which we're just so excited to talk to her about. And she is, is just an all-around person. She gets into a lot of awesome things that we love. Of course, she makes her own costumes, which we just, you know, that's just awesome for her to do. Uh, we love her parasols. <laughs> and I know that when I started reading her books, Parasol Protectorate, I just was just totally sucked into the whole story and loved it. I love strong women, as most of you know, so she was definitely up right up my alley. We're going to talk to her, to her and uh, just let you know that the call-in number, and no, I don't want to hog her all myself. I know a few of you definitely want to talk to her. So the call-in number is 714 242 5145. Gail. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on with us. Now, are you in California right now or where are you at? I'm up here in Northern California in the in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah. yeah. I I have my brother that lives up there. He's an architect. So, it, there you go. It's a great place to live, especially right now. We we finally got our weather back. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot cooler there. That's true. <laughs> Since we're hitting like 90s here, and I'm going like, I know, we're not ready for that. Ooh, ouch. I know, so you'll have to be prepared because... Okay. Uh, <laughs> no corsets then when I come down. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty tough with a lot of layers. You know, when you do a lot of layers, that's just pretty difficult. Although, you know... Uh, Getting yourself out of the sun is probably a good idea. So parasols absolutely oh, yeah. essential. I'm surprised uh, they aren't the the accessory du jour down in your neck of the woods. They should be. They should be. <laughs> well, I do know quite a few ladies, and and of course we are actually going to be making parasols at Leprechaun. Fantastic. Yeah. So we will have more people hanging around with with parasols than I think we've ever seen at a con. Which, <laughs> That'll be cool. <laughs> yeah, in more ways than one. Yeah. So we're definitely looking forward to having you because I think that you uh, are going to bring a unique brand of writing. Uh, you've got a humor that is that is just is it's not a biting wit, but is pretty close to it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I try to keep people smiling. Yeah. Yes, you definitely do. With and and the spunky ladies in your and in, in your books are just awesome. Thank you. That's that, that's pretty darn important to me is to to write strong women. I understand completely. So we're I know a couple people have a couple questions, and uh, I'm going to give you one of them, and then kind of go into where the, where the question came from. Sounds good. Um, we're in Arizona, as you know, and so we have a more Western flavor here. Yes. And 
our, our steampunk goes in that line, that vein of, of more Western looking. Um, do you think, and I, I have heard from other people who make conventions back east, you know, and they say that uh, steampunk is pretty much dead over there. Is it? That's what some people are saying, and I, I <laughs> that's that's what I wanted to know. Is you've been at cons all over America, I know, and so what what are you seeing in that particular flavor? Well, I I must say that the only place that I haven't been to a steampunk convention is the East Coast, but I'll be going to the New Jersey World's Fair next year. So unfortunately, I can't <laughs> be your spy on the ground at the moment. Um, but that's I mean I haven't heard that from all of my steampunk people. I mean there's a a massive maker community in the Philadelphia area. Um, so. I, don't, I know it never was a real big thing in New York, but, you know, New York's always a little little strange in what <laughs> they're into there. So, um, But I, I haven't heard anything. I, I could reach out and see. But um, so far as I know, it's it's going strong. It is different. I will say that, that steampunk is its own creature, and it's, and it's inhabited by its own spirit wherever you go in the United States or okay. in the world, in my experience. It definitely has a different personality. It's it's part of the charm, and, and I feel privileged that I get to experience it in its, in its different forms. So you th- what, and what differences is it different here in the States compared to in, let's say, London? Well, in England, they're very, I think, I didn't really have a chance to talk to people on the ground, and I'm going to be back there, I hope, this year, so maybe I'll ask them more directly then. But I got the feeling that there's... There's that very English um, self-effacing attitude about it because, you know, I think there's a justifiable proprietary attitude to steampunk because, you know, it does seem to have its origin for most people in in the UK. And so there's this sort of, well, it, it came from us, but we can't be really proud of it, kind of very quintessentially British thing going on. Um, and also I think a little underpinning of of embarrassment over the imperialistic agenda that the Victorians obviously had. And so that aspect of steampunk is very much not present. And so in my experience so far as sort of the aesthetic and costuming is concerned, I saw a lot more just real genuine whimsy in the British steampunk world. They're really into the gadgetry and um, kind of extreme costumes, but nothing too aristocratic or too kind of piss helmety and imperialistic. Um, at least I, so far as I saw, and I only encountered a London contingent and a Nottingham contingent, but but that was, was my impression. But I did ter- talk to some German punkers, and they actually said flat out that in Germany you don't get um, any of the military aspect of steampunk. Hmm. For obvious reasons, they don't want anything that really harkens to a uniform in any way in Germany because of their past. Oh, and wow. so um, steampunk there is is very British aristocrats. Uh, they're very into the top hats and the um, waistcoats and, and beautiful dresses and stuff because they really want to draw on a connection to England, um, huh. I think. So... Uh, but the, and they they flat out said that, that when I had a conversation with um, some steampunkers when I was in Frankfurt a couple of years ago, and they were like, "Yeah, we get steampunk here, but you never you never see military." So uh-huh. I thought that was that's very interesting. So it's definitely evolving differently in different parts of the world. 
Well, that is definitely interesting. I know that a couple of the panels that we have for Leprechaun is about, you know, having steampunk in different varieties and what we see perhaps mutating. Is there, I know that with zombies, it's definitely mutating. Yes. (laughs) In in weird ways, okay. (laughs) Well, and part of that is is the ever vibrant search for uniqueness in huh. in sort of fandom in general i mean everybody wants to to carve their own stamp on on a aesthetic movement like this which i think is great because you always see something new and different or read something new and different definitely so what do you see as the future for uh, an americanized uh steampunk i don't i mean that's a very good question i don't know i i I'm I'm very vested in the past, so I'm t- I'm a terrible precog. I can't really tell you what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> um, I think it survived longer than than some people expected, and that's and that's pretty exciting. Um, and you are I am seeing um, a f- a blending of the the literature and the aesthetic, which there wasn't at the beginning of the movement. Um, people were really into the costuming and the clothing and the music but they didn't really realize that there was a whole literary movement that had been going on and that was connected to them. And now I think the two are gelling a little bit more. Um, but I don't know what the future holds. I think I think we're going to see, I hope we're going to see some kind of exploration of other cultures on the ground in the United States, you know, so more um, more different interpretations of steampunk based on people's ethnic backgrounds and stuff like that. You know, people in the movement are prone to sort of looking into their own history of the past and drawing on their own ancestry to recreate a character. And, you know, I'm hoping that that is kind of fertile ground for for new and exciting interpretations. But I don't know. That's just my wish. <laughs> we'll yeah. see what happens. I know that uh, here in Arizona... Uh, we get, of course, into more of the Western-looking type of steampunk. Of course, yes. And time travel is just, yes. that's really a big part of, you know, that particular genre here, uh, which, of course, is my favorite things in the <laughs> world. So <laughs> so I have no problem with, with ooing and eyeing over any little time travel gadget anybody's actually put onto their costume. Yes, yeah, that's a that's a really fun aspect, and I like the um, the Western aesthetic aesthetic coloring steampunk because you get a Western attitude and a sort of spirit mm-hmm. at the convention as a result of that, which is again so very different from kind of the reenactment of historical time period in England, for example, that you get at at other conventions. So, yeah, it's fun, and and we here in California, at least in Northern California, the movement is very blended to um, Burning Man and large maker communities in terms of large art installation pieces, large. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our steampunk here is very much colored by that aesthetic. So you get a an almost uh, circus and burlesque kind of tone <laughs> to some of the some of the costumes in our, in my area. Yeah, I've seen that. I, we've also had some military look at the yeah, recent forward, convention. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we kind of interesting because I'm not sure if you're familiar with Old Tucson. It's kind of one of those old Western towns that they used to have all the movies, you know, uh, John Wayne. Yeah. So you guys even have the setting for it, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, and that was uh, last month in March. They they do uh, Wild Wild West, as they call it, Wild Wild West Steampunk Convention. 
Yes, yes, I've heard of it. I haven't had the <laughs> I haven't fortunate visit yet, but that sounds like so much fun. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, it's a western town, uh, so you've got the whole motif going on there. Yeah, I love it when the setting for the event is is very evocative of the time period of that event. Uh, um, the uh, convention down in San Diego, Gaslight Gathering, takes place in this amazing old uh, kind of very. Victorian meets San Diego Hotel. I don't know how else to. Oh, like these yeah, great yeah. galleries full of mirrors and, and plants, big potted plants everywhere. It's really cool. Um, and I think it's great when, when it, it makes the pictures so pretty <laughs> when you have a good <laughs> backdrop. <laughs> now, I know that San Francisco's got you know, kind of that flavor going on there, too, with, their, with a lot of their Victorian-style look of, of homes there. Yeah, we have, but we haven't had a, a steampunk event that's in that kind of environment just yet. Although the steampunkers do invade the Dickens Fair on occasion, <laughs> which ah, is yeah, which yeah. is a pretty fun melding. Um, and then there's a there's an event up here called the Hand Car Regatta, which takes place up in wine country outdoors, uh-huh. and that um, has definitely been kind of subsumed by the steampunks of the local <laughs> local area. It probably was meant to be more of a of, of a festival for the fruit you know they, they, they yeah and it's and that's train country for us as well up in up in wine country is also where the you know train town is and places like that so i think it's kind of partly to do with that but yeah that seems to be happening a lot like if, if there isn't or there aren't many local steampunk events then they'll just start organizing to invade other events <laughs> yeah 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 which is which is what really is going on with leprechaun yeah <laughs> And I know last Watch year, out, guys. <laughs> it, it was kind of my fault, so, you know, they can blame me. But uh, <laughs> last year, I wanted you to come to Leprechaun 39 because I was, I was actually the chair. Mm. And, and we couldn't make it happen because as your schedule was already booked up for thir- 2013. So I said, well, so as soon as uh, my partner became the, the, uh, the chair, I said, okay, now listen to me. <laughs> you, you have a ready-made person right here. Just finish the deal. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't had a chance to be in any part of, of Arizona since I became a professional writer. So it's going to be my first jaunt to your area at all. So well, we're pretty- excited to have you jaunt here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you've got a, again, you've got a, a really heavy, uh, really great steampunk uh, following here. In Arizona awesome. already. Exciting. That's exciting. Matter of fact, uh, the steampunk uh, group is actually going. They have their own table that we gave them inside the dealer's room. <laughs> as we we know, they're going to be. They might as well be taken over anyway. So you know, we'll just <laughs> give them a table. You know. It's very accommodating of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a place now. You know, just go right in this area. You know. I've seen this happen before, and generally, in my experience, that table becomes the place where there's tea. Well, there's, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, that, I'm happy if I can find a place with tea. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, when you come here, is there any other anything else that you want to see while you're here? I don't know. I this is part of the 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 thing being traveling as much as I do now is I'm I'm learning. It's not it's not natural to me but I'm learning to kind of go to an area and sort of throw myself on the whims of fate I kind of think I learn more about a place and get to experience 
it more if I just sort of turn up and I'm like, okay, what what do you guys have to to give me? You know, like what what's gonna happen in my world while I'm here? Um, I don't know. It's kind of an adventurous way to travel, and uh, it's like I said, it's it's not natural to me, but I'm learning. I'm learning. So I just I'm just looking forward to you know seeing what it's like and meeting all the steampunk people and and everyone else, of course. I know that somebody had just asked me whether or not uh, we could have tea, tea time with you as a special mm-hmm. event. And my understanding from the programming person is that we've already planned that. Yep, that's what I, that's what I hear as well. Yes. <laughs> Although so, it's pretty, I, 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 do, I do a number of tea times, and I find it amusing how many photographs there are that are incredibly unflattering of me with my mouth full as a result of this. <laughs> Which is why you put a cup in front of your mouth. Just yes, like, absolutely. So often it's, it's, with yep. pictures. <laughs> I'm always stuffing my face with cucumber sandwiches. <laughs> Which are good. good. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Cucumbers are good. And the tomatoes, I know. I always, always love tomato sandwiches. Oh, yes. My mom uh-huh. used to do tomato and, and cheddar cheese and chutney. That was a Oh, wow. When I was little, that was a big sandwich for me. So, you know, let's go back a little bit and talk about you as a, as a person. Oh, all right. <laughs> so I know that uh, that Gail Carriger, the name, is a synonym. It is. It's my. It's a pen name, but it's kind of my name now. Like I just have like, I. I mean, I use it. People call me by it. I see. The thing is, is I hate my real name, and oh. so I was. I've. Oh, I've never gone by it anyway, and so everybody kind of makes up a name for me after I've met them for a while. It, it's a weird life. And um, and so I, I was always gonna write under a pen name. So uh, I, when I was an academic, I published under a um, an abbreviated first name because I didn't like my first name. So like I've always just been like meh. Okay. Um, so <laughs> that's a yeah. good reason. That's a good reason. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I figure. I mean, I probably should change it legally, but it's oh, if anybody, those of you who have gotten married out there, you know, it's an incredible hassle to change your name. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Or divorce, you know, when I divorce, it's like, okay, do I keep my my name or not? Exactly, because it's such a hassle to change Oh, it. yeah. Well, they give you one chance. You know, yeah. If you're going to change it, do it now, because it won't cost you anything. Because <laughs> you already paid for it anyway. Yeah. But I said no, because my son was just still too young, and, and that would cause problems. So, yeah. Yeah, that's... That is that does make it make it's a lot easier if you have the same name as your children. Oh yeah, uh, I'm learning with a lot of my my mom and my friends are getting gotten married and had children recently, so I'm learning the ins and outs of the complexities of this matter. <laughs> so, so why steampunk? How did you get started with that particular genre? Just kind of write and just realize what you were writing. I think it is, and it's really funny because, and I tell this to anybody who wants to be a writer, so any of you out there who want to be a writer, here's two major pieces of advice. Try and remember where you get your ideas from because people are going to ask you that question all the time, and try and remember why you're writing in the genre you're writing in because people ask you that question all the time. Because I, like, honest to goodness, I can't remember the whole synergy of, of how the first book happened, but, like, Essentially, what I can remember is that I wanted to read this particular book. So the book I wanted to read was a strong female main character. It was going to have some elements of urban fantasy, but in a historical setting. And I wanted it to be funny. So those were like the things I wanted. And I couldn't, like this book didn't happen. And I kept, I'm, I'm a voracious reader. And I was looking and looking and looking and looking. And finally, I was like, fine, 
I have to write the book myself, clearly. That's the only way I'm going to get this book. Um, and so I sat down and I wrote it. And as I was, the conceit was that I didn't want to give myself any magic in my universe. So all of the supernatural elements had to be explained using Victorian science. And unfortunately for me, I, I already had kind of a, a good grounding in the Victorian era and in Victorian science. Mm -hmm. And so, um, in other words, I took Victorian kind of gothic characters like vampires and werewolves and ghosts and I stuck them in the Victorian era and then I tried to figure out how the scientists would react to them and analyze them and think about them and explain them. And during the course of that thought experiment, I also realized that the technology was going to be affected. The Victorian technology would be affected by having this supernatural element injected into the science of the day. Um, and so in short, the way, I, the way I like to put it is that my supernatural creatures had steampunk consequences. Mm -hmm. And so from that moment on, I was writing steampunk. And around that time, and I don't know if I kind of realized it at the time that there was also a, a literary genre that was steampunk, but I, I got into the aesthetic movement as well around the same time because I'm into clothing and costuming and I've always been in fandom. Um, and I always have been a great admirer of goths, but I just, I'm too cheerful. I couldn't be a goth. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it doesn't work. Um, but did you so, start the darkness of it, the, the colors? I, I just, I love the Victorianness of it. I love the idea of kind of modernized, I like corsets and lace and frilly skirts. I'm terribly girly. And all the makeup and the hair. And I was like, oh, you put so much effort into looking fantastic. Um, but I just don't, I don't have the courage <laughs> to go that, to go that deep into my own dark psyche. Um, and so when steampunk came along, I was like, this, this, I get to be Victorian, but I can be chipper and, and colorful and, um, and, and whimsical, and I get to, yeah, and I get to explore the sort of science side and the gadget side, um, and so I, I I found myself immersed in the aesthetic, and then I was writing this book, and I was like, oh oh, everything's gelling together. So the aesthetic and the literary, and then conceptualizing this book that I was writing, um, and so I kind of I wrote Solace without even really knowing or realizing concretely that there was a whole literary movement backing me up. And so a lot of times when people analyze steampunk, they they kind of don't understand or get how or if Solace fits into the steampunk genre. It's debated a lot. Um, and I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that, that my steampunk is very informed by the aesthetic movement and the whimsy and the fun of that movement in a way that other literary steampunk and earlier steampunk authors didn't have because the movement, the the aesthetic movement didn't exist yet um, right, right. and so that's that's kind of and and now that the genre is more established there's a lot of people who compare what we now call first wave steampunk from the 70s the 1970s <laughs> 1980s to us the second wave steampunkers and second wave steampunkers are we can be very dark like sherry priest for example but we are informed by the movement that's happening around us as well uh -huh. um, and it shows the text you know, so, it's, it's kind of funny because the fact that the same thing going on with the zombie group. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. So you get like these zombie walks and the zombie movement and the zombie flash mobs and invasion, and that that is beginning to inform the and the smart writers. zombies are actually coming on. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. 
So it's and like also, weird. <laughs> and, also, and also thinking about zombies from different perspectives, like um, what scientific um, mm-hmm. experimentation might produce that result or, you know, exactly. um, divorcing them from their original um, raising the dead gothic connections and turning right. them into something else. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is that they again the the genre I think is morphing. Yeah, it does. It does. That's that's they all, it. But apparently, <laughs> yeah. based on what you're saying, they're they're all seem to be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, that's so, cool. Anyway, so that's how I came to it. But I it's a chicken and the egg situation in that at the time. I didn't realize what I was going to write would even be published. <laughs> so I didn't try and keep track of or think about um, how, you know, how all of those ideas came together because it, in my brain they all came together right around around the same time. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But in the end, the injection of Supernatural into a Victorian world had steampunk consequences for me. <laughs> Well, that's good because you know why you really have that that interesting wit about you with the stories. Is that really coming from your personality, or is that from your character? Uh, um, well, I knew I wanted to write something funny, um, and before Solace, the only writing that I'd ever managed to sell was short stories that were funny. It just took me a long time to realize that I I seem to have the skill set to write funny stuff that people will buy. That seems to be what editors want from me. Um, and also there's not a lot of comedy in genre, at least there's more now, but, but there wasn't um, when I was first submitting and not a lot of, and, and very little that uh, features a female main character. There is plenty mm. of stuff that has comedic elements, but, but I consider myself primarily a comic writer. That's, that's what I'm shooting for, especially with the Parasol Protectorate books, um, as is making people laugh. Yeah. Uh, it's okay to, to touch people and, um, and, you know, wring the emotions a little bit once in a while, but mostly I just want people to enjoy themselves. So, um, I'm sorry, I just totally lost the thread of where we were going with this. Talk <laughs> about your personality compared to Oh, my personality. Um, uh, to a certain extent. I mean, like, I wrote Alexia as kind of the ultimate straight man. So, you know, by uh, dint of her personality being soulless, and in my uh, scientific analysis of that, it means that she is very, very practical. And she doesn't really ever react emotionally, and she never really reacts um as you might expect someone to react in any given crazy situation. And this allows the most incredibly crazy things to occur around her, and she will always react in a way that is kind of not how you would expect anyone to react. So she'll always react practically. You know, So someone could come running in with their head falling off, and Alexia will be like, oh, you look a little distressed. Would you like some tea? You know, it's that kind of... <laughs> and that allows me immediate humor. Like her very character, when I was creating her character, is the perfect balance for humor. Um, and, and yeah, I suppose I am a little bit like that. Like I, I do tend to... I do think that way. Like... Um, you know, like when somebody gets turned into a vampire, most people are like, ooh, Nosferatu, undead, scary. And I think, have you ever put fake fangs into your mouth? Because it is impossible to talk without lisping. Like, and <laughs> so any newly made vampire is going to lisp. And how hilarious is that, right? And like, and here's the thing with werewolves. They're naked all the time. And you put naked people... I know. Because how else do you, like, you can't just, like, have the clothing magically appear and disappear. I know. I'm sorry, they're naked all the time. So what happens when you put creatures that get naked and turn into hairy 
you know, beasts into incredibly polite, buttoned-up Victorian society, you also have nothing but humor, right? That's just, it's just the way my brain thinks. Uh, it's in a constant state of like, I just, I guess I just look at the world slightly differently. Um, <laughs> And, well, and well, being I, a writer, I'm, I'm allowed the luxury that's, of being That's true. That's, that's true. As, being as author. <laughs> I, I know I, for one, was really bummed out when Hugh Chapman here, he became a werewolf. That, why would he have clothes on? Come on. Yeah, exactly. Come I on, mean, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you just ruined my time. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about what you're working on right now, because I know that you, you're writing on your blog. And, boy, you've got a really extensive blog, by the way. It's just awesome. Oh, thanks. It's so yeah, layer intricate. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's kind of a, I don't know. It uses a different part of my brain, the blog, and and I kind of I can use I use it occasionally as a sort of confessional and and other ways, and and, and it's a touchstone to my readers, which it, it's a it's an amazing thing to have. I mean, I was I've been in fandom my whole life, and so being a writer in this day and age where you have direct contact with your readers all over the world is yeah. so different than when I was a girl. Um, you know, the idea that I could reach out and actually like email my favorite author. Like I was, I was too scared to even write them a letter, but um, it's totally different now. And so I, I utilize the blog kind of in that way. Um, but also to talk about just other stuff that's never going to get into my writing, like clothes. There's a lot, there's a lot of clothes. <laughs> my a lot of clothes yeah. <laughs> um, but so I've been I've been working on a young adult series, which is in universe. It's in the same universe as my adult, the soulless books, the uh, Parasol Protectorate. But uh, the finishing school is a little bit different. It allows me to it's a little earlier in time, and it allows me to explore different aspects of society, um, a different a different main character, and a different story arc. You know, Sophronia is is. Uh, shyer and she's much more reserved than Alexia and she thinks about again she's a sort of outsider who thinks about the world differently but her thinking about the world differently has to do with not being enmeshed in society Alexia is very much a sort of creature of the aristocracy and her world she's very proper that's another avenue for humor whereas Sophronia isn't that yet because she's young so she's not quite formed so she can make different choices Um, and so I'm, I'm in one of those choices is whether to become a spy or not, and to learn how to manipulate society from the outside and from within. Um, and also, the Sophronia books allow me to explore class in, in the era a little bit more um, and the consequences of, of class structure, the class structure that, that, that Alexia so readily accepts. Uh, and... Yeah, and it's a it's more of a, a young adult, so it's a different it's a journey of self discovery, and and in my case, because for me, my high school years were so formative in forming my friendship groups. It's also Sophronia learning how to trust people around her and how to build her own relationships and her own family structure with friends, because that's that's something that's very important to me and is kind of a thread through all of my books. So I just finished the rough draft on the last of the finishing school books, um, which I think I know it sounds really strange because the third one doesn't come out until the end of this year, and that one that I just finished the rough draft on isn't out until the end of next year. But that's the publishing industry for that's you. That's publishing industry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I I needed to do that because I needed to get Sophronia kind of out of my head because I'm starting a new series with a new main character, um, and I wanted her kind of asleep and and done. Um, mm-hmm. so I could clear my brain for, for the new character. And the new character's name is Prudence. Um, yeah. 
and this is a and this is another adult series and this one again it's in the same universe but it's in the future so we're getting closer towards the uh the turn of the century and um i'm gonna use these books to explore the wider ramifications of the sort of steampunk in my world and the supernatural in my world outside of england i so noticed that yeah i thought, I thought really you're clever Yes, we get to go to India. In yes, the yes, yes, yes. The British Raj. <laughs> um, and, and, also, and, and in that way, I can touch on imperialism and the imperialistic agenda. And, you know, and I, I, I'm going to start with my character sort of very much vested in, you know, the British superiority as a race. And uh, hopefully as the series progresses, uh, Prudence and her crew will kind of learn a bit more about the damage that imperialism can cause and also about um, different local cultures and her mind will be broadened and things will change. So um, <laughs> that's the kind of, all of my books, because I do write comedy, I get to be subversive. So they all have a little bit of subversion to them. But well, you're calling it, Dolly Lark. You're calling it the, the Custer Protocol. I mean, Custer does yeah. help. I mean, you know. Custer why you can't take it for you know seriously when you call no, it concert <laughs> no of course not and uh yes and it's and it's a it's basically this sort of outrageous crew of characters on a ship that are supposed to go in and fix things that the uh that the british army can't fix in foreign soil and of course they they mess everything up and get into trouble and cause you know crazy diplomatic crises and things like that so and it, and of course it will be absolutely. I mean, the first book is all about a great. Um, there's a big tea scandal going on in oh. India, and uh, and there's a yeah, and everybody's after this sort of special blend of tea, and so uh, <laughs> of course, it's never too serious. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Now this uh, is going to be. I know you have the date on here, but for those who are not savvy to your website. Um, Want to give us a date on the Custer Protocol series? Uh, it comes out in March, I think March 17th of next year. So, frankly, because I'm currently still working on it, so like that's a pretty optimistic date. But I'm gonna make my deadlines. I swear it. Um, yeah. So the Davy, my editor with Orbit, has great faith in my ability to make deadlines, and uh, and so I'm gonna try not to let her down. Um, I'm doing my best. I'm I'm pretty much dark right now. This is a this is a very unusual interview I'm doing because I'm supposed to be just working my little butt off. Um, <laughs> so you're trying to finish one series and and here you are deep deep in the middle of another deep one. In the, deep in the next one. But I mean, the, for me, the hardest part of writing is just laying down the initial words. So once a rough draft is done, I'm pretty good about it like kind of that's when the stress lightens a little bit Mm -hmm. so um so for me sort of psychologically as a creative person the finishing school books are pretty much done even though there's at least you know three or four months worth of editing still to go for me that it's 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 all right and i can really i can concentrate on on prudence and, and her crew um and so far it's been going really well so uh i'm kind of i'm excited about this book i think it's gonna be awesome 
Well, I think it looks awesome, and I, I know <laughs> I'm going to be in line in, in the front and say, okay, pre-order Aww. information, I'm looking for it. So, I'm always I'm good. always optimistic at this stage at any project. I always love it when I'm like at the beginning and everything's new and wonderful. Yeah. And then at about, <laughs> at about a third of the way through, I'll hate it and I'll hate myself that about two-thirds of the way through, I am the worst writer in the entire universe and nothing I ever write is ever going to be any good, and why does anybody buy it, and yeah. <laughs> and then by the end of the project, I think it's fantastic, and and everything will be fine. So it's my process. So that obviously the part would that you like the most is probably finishing it. Yeah, <laughs> I actually really enjoy the editing. So right now I'm on a really nasty edit pass, but most of the time my edits are pretty consistent. I like editing. I'm one of those. The, there aren't a lot of us, but there are authors out there who really like it. I love going through and red penning and and correcting, and I'm I'm a really kind of tidy person by nature. My my work environment is very neat and clean, and so I like. It feels like I'm tidying my book and making it as perfect as I can, and so I love editing, and I love it when other people, like I get my edit passes from my editor and from my beta readers, um, and sometimes I don't agree with them, but I love it because I think I get a better product out the end of it. So That's great. I, yeah. I, I, so, yeah, I, I look forward to the editing part. If you ask me what's my favorite part of the process, that's probably it. Yeah, that that is that's exactly what we're asking, and there, you know, we did do, do quite a bit of Q and A that uh, we put into the newspaper, and yes. I'm looking at the newspaper, and you look awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a, got quite a bit of questionnaire, and and everyone's reading it now, and uh, that way they're they're prepared for you when you actually get here, and if they. You guys, it's not like homework. You don't have to be prepared. You know, you could ask me questions when you meet me in person. I, I like that, too. <laughs> yeah, we have to say something. We have to say something. It's, it's like, wow, we have, we have so many things. And, and you you are just awesome on your website, by the way, because Thanks. Um, you've got so many Q&A that you actually put on here. I do. I do. I get a lot of questions. And and so I have a thing called the never-ending interview, which I shamelessly stole the idea from Simon Green, I think it was, who does it. Um, So anytime anybody asks me a question I've never had before, it makes its way onto the interview. Um, Otherwise, I just go, mostly I use it for myself because I know, I think every, you know, when I get a question, I think, oh, I've had that question before. I know I wrote it somewhere. And so for years, I was just sort of hunting through my computer for these things. And finally, I was like, I'm just going to stick them all up online. Um, And so... (laughs) Not a lot of people read the entirety of the never-ending interview because no. it's really long. But you um, sucked me in there, man. I... <laughs> well, that's two. Those are two things I always tell myself when I'm working on the website, and I do a lot of the website myself. But is that I want people to be able to find the information they need within two clicks. That's the first priority, and then the second priority is that after those two clicks, I want them to get lost forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. It's just in the Q and A, it was like, wow, okay. <laughs> uh, and again, I love the colors and 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 all that. And of course, you got the nice little tea, little teacups here. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, I like. Well, you can see, like I have, I have certain things that I love, and they percolate uh-huh. well, my life and well, my book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you, we're we're so looking forward to you ha- you coming down and seeing us. And uh, you know, we've got we're planning some great things with you. Is there any particular? panels somebody was asking me any particular panels or things that you would like to be able to talk about ooh you know i'm i i am 
so excited to be on most panels. I am one of those authors who really, like I love doing Q&As. I love being in front of people. I'm not shy at all, obviously. <laughs> like, um, I used to be a, a teacher. Um, when I was doing my PhD, I taught a lot, and I was an adjunct faculty for a little bit there. Um, so I'm really comfortable in front of people. In fact, I'm more comfortable in front of people at conventions because I know everyone wants to be there, <laughs> whereas my students, you know, you have to keep them from falling asleep. Um, <laughs> I, I, I had I've, I've had a, a really fun panel recently on spies, so I'm always excited to talk about that. And, um, and it's always exciting to me when I get to talk about and recommend other like nonfiction books and books that are um, that I've used for research. And so I was on this recent panel about spies and I didn't realize how much research I had done until I had to start talking about it. <laughs> and I was like, Oh wait, I, I can talk about that. Cause I watched that movie, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so that's, that's always a good, a good time. Um, but anything, I mean, I'm a fangirl too. So there are also moments yeah. when I get to talk about things that I love, like when people ask me about cop podcasts or movies or whatever. So um, I just enjoy as much as I love panels. I, I, you will find that I often hang out in the green room or the um, con suite <laughs> and uh, just chat with people about what's going on in their lives and stuff. Cause you know, well, there's a mic about you, you know, yeah. it comes, it participates. Yeah. Yes, but it's also like there's a part of me that's still the other, that's still the fan, that's still going to conventions, that's mm-hmm. still um, <laughs> just wants to have fun there and and participate. And from from a like a fan, like sometimes I'll, if I if I have time in my schedule, I'll sneak into other panels and stuff and, and watch the other ex- experts talk. If there's anything hard science hard science fiction, I'll often like sneak in to see like a presentation for, on black holes or something. Uh huh. Um, uh-huh. So that, that's where I be, but. Yeah, <laughs> I love that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, and and I feel you know I'm I'm privileged to be the person who people are showing up for, but that doesn't mean that I I can't enjoy myself, you know. Sure, sure. So, how long have you been a fangirl? Let's see. My first, I went to my first convention when I was 16. Oh. So I'm not going to say exactly when, but it's the early 90s, basically. Um, and I, I've always gone to smaller conventions. My my local convention was Baycon, and I used to go there for years and years and years. Um, and that, in its heyday, it was like, you know, 3,000, 4,000 people, but um, it vacillated. And mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of, that's where I grew up in fandom. And I was, I I've, oh, like, oh, before that, I went to, when I was still, um, before I was officially an adult, I went to the Star Trek conventions quite a bit when I was like 13, 14 in high school. Would you call yourself a Trekkie? I would call myself a Trekkie, yeah, but I'm very specific in my fandom in that I was really only next generation. Ah, yeah. I'm a devoted next gener, and that, that was the Star Trek that was on when I was of the age to watch it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I can still identify an episode, but. Uh, I used to be able to identify them within, you know, like three minutes of seeing anything on TV. I'd be like, that's, it's about time, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's still I can't something remember that, the names either. Yeah, it still comforts me. Like, if I'm super sick and lying on the couch, I will still put on some Star Trek Next Gen just to see my old friends. Yeah. Yeah, you can just sit there and, and you, you know, there's a formula to it. 
Yes, and I love the formula. It's like the <laughs> comfort of reading. I was into romance novels for a while. I don't read them so much anymore, but, but there's a point where you're like, I know what I'm going to get. I know the ending's going to be happy. I know you know, the, the, the sex scenes are going to be sexy, you know, like, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. It's like eating your favorite piece of cake or your favorite candy bar. Um, and there's, there's something about that with the, the formulaic television that I love too. And I forgive it for its predictability, um, because I kind of want the predictability. Well, especially when you're not feeling well. Exactly. I know mine used to be Disney movies. Yep. Yeah. I can see that. (laughs) Is it there? You know what you're going to get. Yeah. And, you know, you don't really have to give anything to uh, understand it because it is what it is. Yeah. And that's why I I go back. I'm a rereader of books a lot. And sometimes during time, you know, where I know I ought to be reading a new book so that I can, you know, review it or see if I like it or read the book of someone who I might be meeting at a convention in the future, I just go back to one of my old favorites instead because... You know, I want to visit the old friends, and I know what's going to happen, and I know I'm not going to be disappointed <laughs> in the book. It's just going to make me happy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I do it with books as well. Yeah, yeah, we we had, we do that with books, and I think when I was starting to do romance, I I voraciously tried a lot of different ones just so that way I could understand the whole genre. And but it's you know, like- with you, you couldn't do that because steampunk was pretty new. Yes. Yes, it's true. Um, I I have the very great privilege of being one of the first, like, well-known female steampunk authors, to the point where when Sherry Priest and I were pretty much the only two at the very beginning, um, (laughs) people would confuse us, because if there was an author and it was female, I had to be one of us. And uh, and we had a little competition going for a while where I would sign her books and she would sign mine when anybody ever asked, you know, <laughs> to see who would who would sign the most of the other person. Um, but it's not the case now. There are, there are tons of of authors of all you know wide ranging backgrounds who are now writing in the genre. Um, and it's if you ask me, healthier for it. Oh yeah. Well, and again, variety is a spice of life. Absolutely. And you, so you can get you know dark, almost dystopian steampunk. You can get steampunk that the edges very clearly into horror. You can get yeah. um, very adventure-driven kind of um, Avenger-style steampunk. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and, and I'm doing, I'm playing with it with myself, right? The Alexia books are essentially comedy of manners steampunk, although they hearken to other gothic genres. And then um, the Sophronia books are spies, you know, steampunk, espionage steampunk. And and the Prudence books are going to be kind of, you know, leverage style or Star Trek Next Generation, if you will, um group group voyages around the Empire. So I get to I get to play with that kind of subgenre. Um you know, it's it's a fertile playing field. <laughs> You've got upcoming events coming up here, uh, other than Leprechaun. I do. And and you said I love what you said here, Gail's like a vampire, she only goes where you're invited. <laughs> I have a lot of fans who will contact me and be like, why aren't you going to be in IRO? Like, why are you always ignoring New York City as, as if I were, like, against some part of the world for moral <laughs> reasons? And I'm like, I just go where people invite me to go, you know? Um, I'm lucky enough to be at that point in my career where I get so more invitations than I can 
you know, as you alluded to earlier, I, I have to turn people down often just because yeah. you know, my, my first priority has to be finishing and writing the books. And, um, you know, and I, I, I pushed it a little much at the beginning of my career because I do love conventions so much and I am a fangirl that I was like, anybody who invites me to go, I have to go because I get to go to another convention. Um, <laughs> and, and it impacted my kind of work level and my stress level and stuff. So I've, I've had to learn to pull back a little bit, especially when I have deadlines um, and book launches. So which, which you do at the end, uh, October, November of this year. Yeah, so and I'll probably have schedules two already next full. year. Yeah, they they don't they don't. Um, in fact, I'm not maligning my publicist because she in fact just re- reached out to me and said, "Okay, so your book launch in November, where are we going?" And I was like, "I can't think about this right now." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. She they're ready to tar- start talking about where I'll be going for that, but I, I haven't had a chance. Um, and then probably uh, Orbit started the tradition of sending me on book launches, which which not. Every author does. Some authors prefer to do online launches rather than in person and stuff. Um, and so I'll probably be doing a book launch for them in March as well of next year. And then another, so I'll have two next year. And book launches are tough. <laughs> they're great fun, but they're tough because you pretty much just fly and land and do an event and sleep and fly and land and do an event and sleep. Um, yeah, yeah. And that, you know, you got you to gotta be careful of your health under those, those kinds of conditions and stuff. Um, Definitely. And so you're going to be actually somewhere every month then until August. I'm usually, yeah, I'm usually like that. I'm usually, usually one a month is what I try to do because um, that allows me three weekends to see family and, mm-hmm. you know, hang out with my cat. Right, right. <laughs> to have, have a life, you know. Yeah. Have a life. I'm, I do that other thing that's not writing related. So what is your favorite food? I know somebody was asking me this because uh, you know, <laughs> trying to get you something favorite. In, in the, What's my uh, favorite? Yeah. Oh, I am a terrible glutton. I don't even use the word foodie anymore. I'm just a glutton. Like, I just <laughs> love food. Um, there's almost nothing I don't like. I am the person who, when I'm out with people, someone will point to the, me- to the menu and be like, Gail, why don't you try that? Because I've never heard of it before. And I'll be like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, is it strange and unusual? I'll stick it in my mouth. Um, there's a joke with my friend's home that like my tombstone is going to read. I just wanted to try it once. (laughs) Um, yeah. So my favorite, I, I love the flavor of passion fruit. So like that is one of the things that is super high on my list. So I'm, I'm lucky enough to have two friends who grew up in Hawaii and passion fruit is lily koi. And so every time they go there, they have standing orders to bring me back uh, lily koi curd, which is like lemon curd, but it's made with passion fruit. Mm. Uh, I love fruit. Um, I, I, it, for a long time when I was an archaeologist and sort of tromping all over the place, I would, it was my mission to eat as many odd fruits that I'd never heard of before as possible. Um, I just love fruit. And so that's that's a big one for me. But I will I love I love everything. I, I I will say that the the thing that I I tend to I tend to want it to be good. That's a little snooty to say, but um, like I don't eat a lot of fast food, and I don't eat a lot of fried food, and I don't eat a lot. And I I I genuinely love vegetables. I I I could eat my body weight in kale. I know it's really strange, but I really could. So. Um, and she would even eat kale. Okay. I, w- I would. I would. I love. Yeah, I pretty much love everything. The only thing I don't like is Brussels sprouts and cherry. I don't like fake cherry. 
Those are the only oh. things I don't eat. Oh, and peanuts, which is a weird one. I'm well well aware. But I'll eat like peanut sauce and stuff like that. I just don't like peanuts. So that's it. Those are my three. <laughs> Pretty much anything else. And I, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, meat, red meat. People think I'm a vegetarian all the time. I give up a vegetarian vibe. I don't know why. But but I'm not. <laughs> um, I, I used I, to tell my students that the only thing you needed to be if you were an archaeologist was not picky. Because oh. you end up in, in weird countries eating very strange things. Oh, and you, yeah. have to, you have to be able to just eat them and with a straight face and you know make smacky noises and think it and you know i like fish oh, i love fish seafood oh i love seafood seafood so, for you i am yeah so many things that's that question i could talk about food until the <laughs> well, in that case you're gonna love the dinner we have planned then oh so excited this is the other reason i really love tra- traveling to different states and different parts of the world is i get to eat There's amazing food a restaurant like within walking distance called pierre d'arlene's Ooh. I think you can already figure out what kind of. Do fish they is. have? Do they have alligator? I love alligator. I, I don't know. You know how to check on that. Alligator. <laughs> alligator. You're kidding? Oh, are, you, are you really? <laughs> it's really good. I got an alligator. Wow. Yeah. I'm telling you, the best meat I've ever eaten was alpaca, which is, um, you know, like llama, right? It's 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 a. Oh, I don't remember the genus. Anyway, um, but alpaca is delicious. If you ever have a chance to eat alpaca, I'm telling you, order it. It's like the Kobe beef of the pork world. It's so tender and amazing. So good. So, yeah. And I would never know that if I didn't try it. So I always have to try it just to see if it's going to be my new favorite thing. There you go. I I tried to... I tried some things I never, I'll never eat again. So, <laughs> what was it? Oh, it, yeah. I, I mussels. I hate mussels, and I, I oh. hate lobster. And oh. I think the worst one is oysters. I just, oh, I love oysters. I just, I just cannot handle the great that that thing, slimy thing going down my throat. I just can't oh. stand it. I love them. I love them. But I'm a California girl, and we do oysters barbecue. Oh. Well, I see. That's just it. This was a raw one. Oh, I will eat them raw, but I love them barbecued. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, I see. I love it. I might I like them barbecued. Well, they're still slimy, though. I mean, I'm just not a texture girl. I, I don't care what the texture is like. I will say I had fresh, um, what was it called? It's uni. Um, uni is the, is the Hawaiian Japanese name for it. it oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, and that that was that was the only time I've ever been like, oh, this texture is too much for me. It's it it kind of sticks to your mouth. It's a real strange taste. It, it, have you ever tried octopus? I have. I love octopus. I love it. <laughs> if you're gonna have it though, I suggest anybody who's cautious about it have it the prepared the Greek style because I think that's the the best for newcomers because they slap it so that it gets really tender and then they marinate it forever and then they grill it and it has this just charred lemony oregano oh it's so good so good wow you make me hungry that's one of the reasons that's one of the reasons the octopus is so key in all of my books is because They've always been a kind of totem for my group of friends because mm-hmm. they're just all such awesome creatures. They're so smart and they're so ama- like amazing and colorful and varied, and they are delicious. So <laughs> I'm sure they appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so what country have you not been to that, that you've written about that you'd like to see? Oh, 
Well, I have. I'm. I've written about India now. I mean, I'm. I'm working on this book still, but um, and I've never been there, so I'd love to go there. Yeah, me um, too. But I'm. Both I'm a bucket list person. Like I've. I've never been to Egypt. Okay. Um, and it's nearly gone three times now, and something absolutely horrible has happened that kept me from going each time. Wow. And so I finally decided that the fates were trying sort of keeping me from Egypt. So I'm not going to go yet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Maybe after I retired or something, like, you know, like family death and stuff. I was like, okay, I'm not meant to go to Egypt. Um, I'd love to see Petra, which is in Jordan. Um, that's definitely on my bucket list. I'd like to go to Rhodes. Um, I understand some of the excavations there are amazing. So I definitely have – Crete would be great. <laughs> um I definitely have a, a, a laundry list of places I'd really love to see. But I, I'm fortunate to have – been able to travel so much already so i don't i don't feel like i'm lacking in that arena i feel like i've gotten to see so much of the world already i'm super lucky so where in america have you not been to that you'd be saying you know i like to have a hankering to see that <laughs> well i've not yet been to alaska so okay. i'd love to see parts of alaska yeah. um yeah I, I was raised on the coast so i'm a rural girl so i love wide open spaces um and i'd like to get I think sort of remote areas really attract me. I'd, I'd like to get up to Maine as well. Um, I've driven across the United States several times, so I've seen a lot of it. I've, um, but that was before before I was an author or when I was in, in, in college. So <laughs> I've seen most of the states, I think, at this point. Uh, but there are certainly parts that I'd, I'd love to revisit. Um, mm-hmm. I love the Four Corners region. I think that's one of the oh, yeah. parts world the the stone that sunset stone it's you guys have it's so amazing <laughs> yeah it, you know it's really shamed that uh you should get a little more time i wish because to take you down to sedona oh is just there's just something about it it's i uh, i've had you know I've, I've taken lots of my family down there mm-hmm. and either it's not that they particularly some of them particularly don't care for you know all the cats and and the heat and whatnot. So I'll take them to, you know, I'll say, okay, I'm going to take you to Sedona. They don't know what it is. Hmm. So we drive in, and you go into Oak Creek, and all of a sudden it opens up as if it was a tableau. And yeah. you see the red red mountains. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's like, and they all say to me, is this still Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> And that's yeah. what, that is what's great about Arizona is that yeah. there's just so many varieties of ecology. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Just, the ecosystem is just unbelievable here. Yeah. yeah, two hours I can go to get snow if I want it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. That's if I don't awesome. want snow, I'll just say where I am. You know. <laughs> no, that's what's great about Arizona, and I think California is kind of like the same way because you know, up north you guys have a lot more snow. Yeah, we do. Right up to Tahoe if you want it, although not all year round. Right. Um, well, the same thing with us. Yeah. yeah. But I, my, I, I mean, I'm a water baby, so uh, I like to be pretty close to the ocean in some way. That's kind of, I don't know, I, that's that's part of my psyche, I guess. That's um, <laughs> mostly why I like seafood so much. Wow, that would explain it. I was, I was a mermaid in a former life. <laughs> well, I'm going to quote you on that one. 
Uh, except I can't sing for, for anything. I'm a terrible <laughs> singer, so maybe not. <laughs> I said water baby mermaid in the former yeah. life. Maybe I was a selkie or something. <laughs> I'm just adding things to people to, to be able to read it. Because I know that they're, you, you see, they like to be hidden and they like to lurk in the corners on a show. I don't know what it is about that. But <laughs> <laughs> I can see you guys, you know, as you can't hide. <laughs> but you know, some some of them are give they like to give me questions on uh, on Facebook. So uh, oh, I'm very yeah. su- very surprised that a few of them are not calling. So oh, that's all right, we can get questions anyway. No, so that's a few of them. I, I've given you questions on a few from from Facebook. So come on, guys, if this is your one chance, uh, I know you know. Honestly, I just assume save you for Leprechaun because you know. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, we want to definitely spend some time with you there. Oh, of course. Of course. And I know that these people are going to be there because they they already bought their tickets. (laughs) (laughs) So we got them stuck there. They're definitely, they're probably saving everything. They're they're getting with excitement. They're thinking about it. Thinking about it. Is there anything you want to share with us? Because I do have a final parting question to ask you. Anything I have to share? I I don't think so. I think uh, everything's going well in my universe at the moment, so long as we make this deadline. That's pretty much it. There we go. As long as we get you on a plane in time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't think that'll be a problem. Okay, I have a parting question that I ask certain people. I'm ready. Now that you've successfully slain the dragon, (laughs) how will you celebrate? Ooh. Oh, that's it. Well, it depends on what time of day I slayed the dragon, but if it's if it's uh, evening, I probably have a glass of champagne and something something custardy and maybe raspberry or something. That that's probably mm. that's my idea of a celebration and maybe maybe a hot tub, maybe some hot water would be involved. Yeah, custardy. I'm a hedonist, so I, I just boil myself with food and luxury. And a hot tub. Yep. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ask that question and some people say, well, well what do you mean by that? It's, what's, it's, supposed, it's not supposed to be a yes or no answer. <laughs> it's, it's subjective to their personality and there you are. Yes, there you are. That's yeah. perfect insight into my personality. That's pretty much how I like to celebrate almost everything. <laughs> Thanks so much for spending your, your hour with us. We've so oh, thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs> I look forward to meeting you and all the lurkers in person when I'm down. Yes. I'll, meet, I'll introduce you to some of those lurkers. <laughs> see them. Uh, so we'll see you in about, a, well, actually, exactly a month from now. So Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Thanks so much, Gail. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.